0: on? Are we on? Hello, hello. hello. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Amazing. Wow, thank you so much. Do you know, what? I feel so privileged being here tonight, um, just to be able to share what God's put on my heart. It's such a privilege. Just in worship, I really uh, had my hands out, and I just felt uh, in this kind of open heaven realm, a drop of rain, and I just felt God saying this is the start now. This hunger season is a start of my rain going to be poured out So we're in faith for that. Thank you, Lord. All right, so we're going to be speaking, I'm going to be speaking tonight from Isaiah 6. If you've got your Bibles with you, do you want to turn there? That would be great, and we're going to read that in a minute. So just while you're finding your places, I thought I'd explain a little bit why we've landed in Isaiah 6. So at the beginning of this season of hunger, God challenged me in a worship time. I just kind of meeting with him, having some lovely daddy-daughter time with him, and I felt him whisper into my heart, You were made to behold me and to be held by me. You were made to behold me and be held by me. And out of that personal challenge that I felt, I just want to bring to you guys tonight a few thoughts I feel God has given me. So we're going to be looking at the holiness of God and the fatherness of God as two inseparable things that God is, who he is, and then what that means for us. So we're going to fly through some quite heavy stuff, I hope that's all right, Um, but I do believe there'll be different challenges for each of us in what I'm going to bring. Is everyone okay with that? Yes, good. Has everyone found Isaiah 6? Yes. Yes, good. If not, just listen to me, that's fine. Oh, by the way, I just want this to be continuing a time of worship, so if you just want to close your eyes and just focus on God as I'm speaking, I am more than okay with that. This isn't about me, it's about what God wants to do. All right, so Isaiah 6, one of my favorite passages. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, Isaiah. I am a ruin, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the king of glory. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had touched with my mouth, and he'd taken from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, See This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Father, we love your word. We love how you come and meet with us in worship, but we love how you come and speak to us and pierce our hearts through your word. And I just pray tonight for open hearts all around this room. God, we just want to meet with you and learn from you. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. So really briefly, don't worry, I won't be long, we're going to split this passage into three sections, and first of all, we're going to look at what it means to behold God. Now, I know, especially some of us younger ones, what the heck does behold mean? I don't think I've ever said, as Janair's walked into a room, I behold you, (laughs) Janae. But it's quite old language, but I love it, and I think we can learn a lot from it. So what does it look like to behold God, to see, to look, to awe, to wonder, and worship at God? And I was thinking, some things we do behold. So I think we behold creation. And I've got a funny story. We were, um, me and my family, by a beautiful waterfall. Um, We trekked through the jungle and then got to this amazing waterfall. And then we were beholding the waterfall, and we looked to the uh, right of us, and there was a little old couple beholding the waterfall through their iPad as they tried to work out how to take a photo of the waterfall. And then the lady went, oh, this would make a lovely screensaver. (laughs) And so now whenever we see and behold something beautiful, that always comes into my mind. That would make a lovely screensaver. (laughs) Joking aside, thinking of places like the Niagara Falls, thinking of galaxies, the Grand Canyon, oceans, stars, and even the Amazon River. You know what? People journey far and wide to get to these places. They spend thousands and thousands of pounds going to see the world's wonders. And they buy incredible telescopes so they can see the stars far off. And we live for these moments, don't we? We live for that moment of, wow, as we look up and out, just have our breath taken away by the power and the beauty and the vastness that we were made for. But do you know what? As his people, we were made to behold the creator of these things. We were invited not just to simply wonder at created things, but to behold the maker himself, to allow the beauty of creation to let us stand in awe of him. And the reason I felt challenged when God put this on my heart, that I was made to behold him, is I believe that I can so easily and we can so easily lose our wonder of God. I think there's a righteous fear that we can lose. We can dull down his holiness and try and make him too like us. We can water him down and be so worried about the next Christian fact, like it's all about knowing Jesus as your best friend. We can go from God Almighty to God Almighty so quickly. Yes, we're made in the image of God, and yes, Jesus is our very best friend, but you know what? He is holy, he is pure and spotless, he is set apart, he is completely good, and we were not. So in Isaiah's vision, the angels help us a step closer in understanding how holy God is. So let's just think for a moment how powerful angels are. In Andrew Wilson's book, Incomparable, has anyone read it? I love it. If you haven't read it, read it. It's brilliant. He has a whole chapter called Yahweh of Hosts, or God of Angels, and it explains how just one angel wiped out 185,000 Assyrians because their king had defied the living God, defied his holiness with their evil. So when we're talking about angels, we're not talking about chubby babies with wings floating around in the sky, but roaring, powerful warriors. Yet... We see in Isaiah, as we've just read, that the seraphim angels who continually worship at the throne of God have a set of wings specifically set aside for the purpose of covering their eyes so they don't actually see God. Andrew Wilson says about this, How awesome do you have to be to make sinless, ground-shaking angels cover their eyes so they can't even see you? Isaiah sees God and he falls flat on his face like he's dead. Isaiah sees this glimpse of the holiness of God and he cries out, pleading to see no more, as he recognises how unclean he is compared to a holy God. Now, hallelujah, we live on the other side of the covenant. We live in the righteousness of Jesus because Jesus, the Holy One, came down, the Holy One amongst the unholy. People should have died when Jesus came near them. They should have dropped down on their faces dead. But instead, Jesus reached out and he touched people with his holiness. He touched our impurities to make us pure. And we praise God for that. But we must not lose sight of the fact that God is the Holy One. And it is outrageous (laughs) that we can come now through the blood of Jesus and worship him. And you know what? Just on the last bit of this thing... Out of all the descriptive words in the the world that the angels could choose to sing about God on his throne, it's not love, love, love. It's not grace, 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 or even beauty, beauty, beauty. But for eternity, the word the angels choose to sing is holy, holy, holy. And I think we need to take a note of that. I think we possibly need to rethink how often we worship God in all his holiness. Does he still blow your mind? Does his mysteries cause you to wonder and to awe? Because they should. So although we can't see him yet in the flesh, we can behold him by spending time with him. So just practically, we can stop just our busyness lives and we can be with him. We can read about him in the words. We can sing songs like him, like we've done tonight, but also just on our knees in our room. We can think about him. We can invite his Holy Spirit to give us revelation. Beholding him in graciously small moments that we can handle for more revelation of his holiness. So I just you, when was the, first, the last time you had a face-down moment with God? Where you gave him time to just stand and behold him. To crumble in awe at his beauty and his glory. To have your hearts melted at his roar. To be stuck in the weightiness of his glory so thickly invited into your heart that you just can't take anymore, because you were made to behold him. Let's just pause there for a moment. If you want to, why don't you just close your eyes and raise your hands? I just feel this is a holy moment in God. Father, thank you for your holiness. Thank you that we can even talk about your holiness and not drop down dead. Thank you for sending Jesus to come and touch us with your holiness. And I ask in this place tonight, would you do something in our hearts, God? Would you set that fear, that righteous fear in our hearts again? That you're so good, but you're so pure. I ask, just come and challenge us, convict us, speak to us in your precious name, God. Amen. So beholding God, next, be held by him. As I said, the two are intrinsically linked. God is holy, but he's our father. And he's our Father who's holy. I was listening to Matt and Beth Redmond kind of preach the other day. And Matt Redmond said, The throne room of God, however, isn't just a place to be reverent, but to find refuge. And just as I'm going to speak about this, I believe that some of you tonight, as Paul said, we come as um, children, or orphans. I think some of you need to get this deeper in your heart. I know I do as well. I continually need to soak myself in this truth about being held. So as we bow down before his holiness... We hear the beautiful, loving voice of a daddy who then lifts us up from our crumbled ore heap on the floor and lifts us into his hands. We were made to behold him. That's right. But we were made to be held by him as well. And I love it. I love it. We do nothing. We do nothing. Isaiah in the passage stands far away and screams off, I am ruined. And it's God that sends his angel to place the coal on Isaiah's lips to cleanse him from the altar of sacrifice and hey what a beautiful picture a prophetic picture of what the father then did for us in sending Jesus as his son to make a sacrifice to cleanse us so we could know God what a beautiful picture so all this is in, um, initiated by a loving father who stopped at nothing to win you back and I love the picture of being held I think this picture speaks of a permanency, an intimacy, and a tender gentleness, which some of us need to know tonight. Instead of falling down dead, as we've explained already, and reaching out and touching him, he comes and he plunges his hand and he takes hold of us. He reaches out, he picks you out, he chooses you and pulls you out of your sin, out of the darkness, and places you in Jesus at the Father's right hand. Wow. And that, there's a fierce love, isn't there? There's a protectiveness of God's father heart over us, which I love. A daddy who's holding on tightly and never letting you go. And this is just a story I read a while ago. Is everyone still with me? Yes. Good, you're doing well. So I heard this story a while ago taken from a newspaper in 2007. It says this. An Indonesian ferry had sunk during a storm, capsizing and drowning hundreds of passengers. One father on board grabbed his six-year-old son and clung on to a piece of debris and swam and swam until he found an oil rig over 100 kilometers away from the ship. Once he found the oil ship, he then clung on to the oil rig and his son for five days. After the five days, they were rescued by a Navy ship, and when the father was later interviewed, he commented, even though I was weak, I would not let him go. You know what, if that's the heart of a weak and broken and sinful father, in an earthly sense, how much more can we know and trust that our heavenly daddy is holding on to us and loving us? We need to know, church, that we are his. The more we see of him and the more we behold him, it's like a mirror that reflects back that we know more of who we are and who he's made us to be, his sons and his daughters. So again, just as we finish that point, do you want to just close your eyes? And um, Natalie just felt this verse to be spoken over you today, which I love. So I just speak to the orphan heartedness in this room. And I speak this over them. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him. For he shields them all day long. And the one who loves the Lord and the one who the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Break open our hearts again with your love. We pray. Thank you, God. All right, so just the last point now. So we've got beholding God, being held by him. And now I feel very provoked by what Angela Kem said last week about not being fat babies. Does anyone remember that bit? Kind of some of you. Well, she said about not being fat babies. um, That we need to be filled up, yes, with the true revelation of who God is and bow down. We then need to be confident as he's reached down and touched us and chosen us to be his children. But we can't just soak up all these truths and just sit and do nothing. There's a call from the Father to go and to give out this love that we've received to the world. To our families, our friends, our neighbors, strangers on the street, even those that hate us. You know what, seeing God and seeing who he's made us to be should cause us to run into the world and share the revelations of our heart. And we see at the end of that Isaiah passage, Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord, send me. God is always, always filling us to overflow, to fill us to overflow, to fill us to overflow. It's a journey of constant undoings until that moment where we'll be completely undone before him. So just practically, out of our beholding him, we understand a few things that cause us to, once we've looked up, to look out. Seeing his holiness, we understand our unholiness and the desperate need for salvation. Mission is birth within us when we see this in God. Isaiah even says, I've lived amongst a people of unclean lips, yet here I am, send me. And I believe even tonight, some of you are going to get that heart of mission again as you look to God and look to his holiness. When we behold the power of God, we see that he is overcome, that he has the victory for us. And we pray and see things change because we've seen the power of God. When we see his beauty, our eyes change focus away from ourselves and onto him and his beauty because it far outweighs anything we could ever see. And isn't that a timely message that the world needs to hear? And when we behold his heart, we see compassion and mercy flowing to unjust situations. And we stand amazed that God would even use us to see breakthrough in the darkness with his glorious light. And then as we're held by him, what happens out of that? We're held by him, we're realized we're sons and daughters, and we sit on a true foundation. So for the world, we recognize our value. Where the world devalues so many things, we recognize our value in him. We recognize a different, deeper beauty, where the world tears down um, outer ugliness and disregards people because they don't look right. God values the beauty and the image likeness that he's put in each side of us, each one of us. And then we recognize that all can come. In a world so full of division and hatred, and even now with kind of elections and stuff going on, it can so easily seem like this world is just tearing apart. But God calls for children that just cover the world doesn't he? That on his throne one day, he's going to be covered by every tribe and every tongue with his children. So we take our value, our deep beauty, and our acceptance in God, and we take it out to the world. just saw this just to finish off a quote on Instagram the other day. The world needs to see a church who can keep her love on. It needs to see mature sons and daughters, powerful people who know how to walk in freedom, practice intimacy, And invite people around us to become his children. Can we just stand together? That would be great. Why don't you just, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. And just find a way in your body you can just respond to God. Have an Isaiah, here I am moment. I'm calling us tonight to recognize again that a life of worship is not just about singing songs. And it's not just about having a good discipline in our quiet times. It's about meeting with God and receiving revelation about his glory, his majesty, and then receiving revelation about who we are in him, that we're his children, that we're deeply loved by him, that nothing can take us away, and then running headfirst, followed by Jesus, into the world to take this message that we carry. So, God, I ask, would you come flood this place? We thank you that we have the privilege of beholding you and being trembling in fear and awe, standing before you. And we thank you that you come and bend down and you pick us up and we we get to be held by you. And I ask for people in this place that need that fear of God, would you just come and reveal yourself to them? We ask for people in this place that need that revelation of them being a child of you to come. Holy Spirit, come and touch hearts, we pray. We love you so much, God. We love you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Kia, Baba. So I think we're just going to worship. I know we're nearly running out of time, but don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. We can just sing one more song and you can meet with God the same way that you would after hours of worship because he's outside of time.